Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Pastor George Odero, all the way from Kenya. It's so great. Appreciate you, man. Are you, are you turned on? And I, I mean the microphone. Here we go. <laughs> turned on for Jesus. Um, so, you know, here's, here, can, we, can we just say within about 60 seconds how the two of you met, and then it came to be about how we're standing here now. I'll say this, you know, when we start, so we... Sarah and I moved to Huntsville in 2000 to go to Bible college at Impact Ministries with Dr. Jim Richards to specifically to be there. We planned to be there for about five years. We were there for about six to come home and start a church. And we did. And we've just been walking that path, you know, all along. And we met someone in Huntsville, a, a lady named Teresa, or it was Teresa June Webb, now Teresa June Estes, if you're watching, hello. And she has Desert Rose Ministries. Well, she has, had always done short-term missions and turned into long-term missions in Kenya. She just sold everything she had and moved there and ultimately lived there for 10 years doing full-time ministry. And she was doing some great work over there. Still, she's connected with um, and the Crane's daughter. Caitlin Crane is now working with Desert Rose Ministries. So just one is the organization that's partnered with... Um, Desert Rose Ministries that has a focus on girls who undergo, they call it female circumcision, but it's not, there shouldn't ever be such a thing. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to justone.org or uh, desertroseministries.com. But that started, so Teresa was sitting in the living room of our house, and she told me this story about having gone to Kenya, met some people, and then she ended up on this mountain uh, in this very, very remote area that we all know as Mount Paca with the Pocot villagers. And, you know, the, there's more to tell about that. But we do that, and then we come back down, and we, I preach at a couple of different little churches. And so I'm sitting there getting ready to go up in this packed, packed, packed. It's probably a little bit smaller than this room, but, I mean, it was just wall-to-wall people. And it was lively, I mean, it was a Kenyan African church, and they were having some fun in there. Let me just tell you, it was a blast. And so, so I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready to get up to preach, and this guy comes up to me, and he's kind of leaning down in front of me with this big smile on his face, and he taps me on the shoulder, and he hands me his phone, and it's a message from Sarah between the two of them. So I'll, I'll give it to you from there. <laughs> I don't remember exactly even how we even connected, but um, it might have been through... Teresa or, or whatever, but so we were messaging and just talking about the message, and um, I said, I said, you should go see, I was finding out where he lived and kind of the area that he was, and I said, you should go see my husband, he's in town preaching, and I think I named where, where he was and, or something, and he said, uh, I can't, I'm going to see uh, an assistant, the old assistant pastor to Jim Richards. I was like, that's my husband. Um, you remember so, that? Your mic yeah. is on, too, yeah. if you want to. Yeah, I yeah. do. So, 
I think I, I think we planned for him to kind of go up and be like, "You need to go mess with my husband." Like, <laughs> so she, he walk, he walks up and shows me this message, and I'm thinking, "What is happening here?" You know, my mind, I'm, I'm being all spiritual and everything, getting ready to preach. You know? <laughs> Anyways, do you, you, that's how it all started. Yeah. What's your, you, what do you remember that day? Um, just as Sarah said, um, she sends me this message and saying, "Hey, you need to go to Nakuru um, to see my husband." Uh, he's going to preach there, and I say, um, sorry, I cannot go to see your husband, <laughs> but I'm actually going to Nakuru to see another preacher from uh, Jim Richards' church. And it's like, that's the one that I'm, I'm sending you to. Yeah, so, yeah. Holy Spirit led. Yeah. That's right. So he has lots of pictures here kind of telling that story and, and memories. I'm super excited to watch this. And I, I didn't show you, because mm -hmm. we were meeting so many people, but out in the hallway, we have... Oh, yeah one of your pictures. Okay. Uh, and if, if y'all have seen it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, but if you've seen this particular picture, it's, uh, it's in our hallway out there. The, the McDaniels printed it for us on one of their wood signs. And so I need to make sure you see that. You can get a picture of that on your way out. But if you can see, can you, can you spot where the Americans are? <laughs> and there's George. And that's kind of jumping forward a little bit, but that's, you know, that, that was a very special day. And Tracy and Caitlin are there, Courtney's there. But here we go. Y'all ready to hear? Oh. I was just going to say to you, this is my first time uh, meeting George and all this oh, time. Right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool, but yeah. you know, it's a lifetime ahead. We know, you know, we talk about going over there and as a family, but we don't want to go both parents going over there without the kids. So I know someday I'll get there, but um, we'll see. Yeah. Pastor George, thank you so much for being with us. We love you. Yeah. Bless us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. So just as... Uh, Clint has introduced me, and many of you already know me. My name is George Odero. I'm coming from Kenya in a place called Homa Bay. Homa Bay is just um, at the Lake Victoria. Um, so that's where we are at. So I just want to take time here and uh, bring the word of God, and uh, I trust that we'll all be blessed. Amen? Amen. So shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your love, God. Thank you for giving us your son who bore all sins of all people of all ages upon his own body and made a satisfactory payment by his death, was buried. He rose again on the third day. And now he lives forever to give eternal life for free to everyone who will come to God through him. Father, I thank you for this wonderful message. Thank you for the blessing of being born again and also the blessing of being a message bearer that we can share this message that you have chosen, Lord, through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. So here we are to share this word with our Brethren here and those who are watching online, sweet spirit of the living God, I thank you that you are always present whenever we speak the words. I pray today, would you give me boldness to share and may you help me to 
speak your word as clearly as I ought to. And I pray that your word will come forth with respect, O oh God. And I pray that you will use this word, sweet spirit of God, to convict people and do your work, Lord. We thank you. We honor you for the privilege of sharing your amazing word. May your name be praised, our God. Use us as you will, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, just to give you a little story about myself, um, I was born in Kisumu town. Uh, my parents lived in a slum. As I was growing up, um, my, we were sitting on stones in our house, and uh, my parents used to fight from the time that I began knowing things. I would see them fight almost every day. So one day when I was 11 years old, as we were coming from school and kids were saying, hey, we are going to see his parents fighting, and they will fight, and I would see my mom bleeding. So that day I said, mm-hmm, I'm getting out of this house, and I'm not going back to school, and I'm not coming back to this home. So from that day, I began to live in the streets. So living in the streets in Kenya, what it means is that you sleep in the pavements, um, you eat from the beans, that is what people throw there, and uh, if you don't find anything, you steal. And if you steal and you are caught, you are beaten and you can be killed. So many things have happened to me. I've been tied, I've been set on fire, I've been thrown in the lake at night and left to die. I, didn't, I did not know the Lord, but God just saved me from all these things, even though I did not know him. There were many days that I would hear the gospel being preached by street preachers and wanted to be saved. There's this particular day that I went to a hall called Ofafa Hall in Kisumu. Some people were having church there, and they had guests who came. Um, they were whites, so, um, and one, somebody was preaching there, and I was hearing the gospel from the fence. And I decided, today I'm going to church, and I'm going to get saved. I just want to be a child of God. Um, and as I entered there, the ushers stopped me and uh, sent me away. It was not just one of them. It was the whole five of them. They said, you, you are not allowed here. Go away. Um, I was smelling. I was uh, bare butts. I was dirty. And so I just walked away. And at that time, I said, Phew, I wish God could be just as half as good as my mom. Because when I was in the streets, my mom would come look for me. My mom would even try to be friends with this crazy boys that people fear because there also we had the street fights and things like that. But my mom would brave all those things to try reach me or try bring food to me or something like that. So my mom loved me so much. So um, I said, wow, God does not love people like me. Then later on, someday I decided to um, get my life together again and uh, go back to my family uh, when life was really uh, difficult after uh, some time there. So um, this, this day I was walking on the road and thinking of a, a preaching that I had. So I was looking for anything Christian so, to find someone who could bring me to the Lord. And I see a church office and I enter inside there and I'm weeping, I'm in tears. And I tell the pastor, I want to be born again. And he said, are you really sure you want to be saved? Yes, I want to be saved. Why do you want to be saved? I just want to be a child of God. Mm. Are you sure you have not killed someone? 
Are you sure? So there were so many questions. I said, oh, please, just get me saved. And so, so, so I knelt down there and I carried my hand. Please just get me saved. And he prayed for me. Uh, so I told him, you see, the way I am, now I'm a child of God and you are a pastor. I know where your church is. Um, can I go this night sleep at your church? He said, no. No, you cannot sleep at our church. Just go back where you came from. So um, out of those things, I, I began feeling like mm, God is good, but there were things that were not making sense to me. So one day, there was this lady um, who was leaving the town I was in, that is called Oyugis, going to Nairobi. And then he asks me, she asks me, can you take care of my, ho my house while I go? So when I'm in that house, I slept. In the morning, I wake up, and I turned on the TV. So I turn on the TV and somebody seated there, seated and talking about God. And he was talking about the true nature of God. Now, this, there are two things I'd never seen in my Christian life. Number one, a person preaching while seated. You know, in Kenya, we preach, we, we preach in power. Like right now, I'm really trying to control myself. And she would be, power! You know. <laughs> so, so this guy is just, um, <laughs> he's just seated there. And, um, and talking. So that, was, that really struck me. Then the next thing is what he was preaching about, the true nature of God. And that is Andrew Womack, uh, watching uh, Gospel Truth. And he said something that I had been thinking in my mind for so long. The scripture that says that, can a mother forsake her own suckling? that I, the Lord, will never forsake. And I said, wow, just what I'd been thinking about. So this is how God is. And then I started going there um, almost every day, Monday to Friday, uh, listening to this message. Um, so as I was listening to that message, um, I'm sorry, I quit church. I was saying that this, this, this is just what I want to hear. Because it was, it was different than what I was hearing in church. Then something happens. I begin to share the gospel and people get saved, but I don't direct them to church. So I'm called to our village home to go and pray for a woman who was sick. I take a friend of mine called Ken. I say, Ken, come, come and see what Jesus does. So we go. This woman was bedfast. And then I begin to uh, share healing testimonies with her. Not healings that have happened through me. What I have heard by listening to Andrew Womack. So she hears these testimonies and she says to me, George, mm -mm, mm -mm, now I don't want healing. Now I want something bigger than healing. So I say, what is that? She says, you know, five years ago, we were in a bus traveling somewhere and then we got an accident and then a rod pierced my womb and I was expectant at that time. I was taken to the hospital and they removed the womb. So from that time, I have not been able to give birth to a child because they removed my womb. Now, my, in, in our country, there is, I mean, people are polygamous. So my, my husband decided to marry another woman who can give birth. Now, the two of them uh, are now despising me. So my emotional pain is bigger than my physical pain. Do you think God can give me a child? I say, yeah. And I remember what Andrew Womack says, that some people think that if you want to be healed, I mean, God can heal you from a small thing, but if you want this healing and this healing and that one, then it will make the heavens go blackout. No. 
He can just, he can just do all of that. So I say, well, God can heal you and also create a womb for you, so let's just pray. So we prayed, nothing happened that we could see, um, and we left her there still breakfast. Then a few weeks later, I'm being told that the woman is walking without canes, because the days she used to walk, she was using canes. Then after some months, my dad calls me and says, George, do you know what has happened in the village? That woman is expectant. The following year, I am called to go and dedicate the child. So when, when she was expectant, they gave the child the name. They called her Jojo Dero. <laughs> then the child was born, and she happens to be a girl. <laughs> so they said, OK, this happened because of faith, and it is because God has been merciful to me. So she is faith mercy. So, so um, the child, when that happened, these people and almost the whole village came to my mom's house and church started there. So they told me, you teach us the word of God. I taught them and then we had to move the church from my mother's house, we built a church. So that's the first church that we built there in the village, uh, that's me there. And I began to pastor this church. The message was good but life was difficult. So I said, no, I'm leaving you guys. I'm going to look for a job. So I went to Nairobi uh, to look for something that I could do. So while in Nairobi, uh, I get connected to Sarah. Now, I got into Facebook through my girlfriend at that time. Up to that time, I could not operate anything, a, a computer, or I had not touched things like that. So she, she would. Um, I would write a post on a paper and then give her, and she goes to post for me on Facebook. She would also get friends for me on Facebook and stuff like that. So um, then we talk um, with Sarah, and my wife is like, ah, somebody wants to meet you somewhere. Um, and then we, we talk, and that's how we went to uh, Nakuru, and uh, was able to meet Pastor Clint uh, at the meetings that he was doing there. So you see the guy in green there next to Clint? So that's me uh, when we attended that meeting. And uh, we had a, a great time of uh, prayer and um, impartation at uh, uh, Pastor Towet's church. It's called Freedom Fellowship Church. Uh, Brother Towet has since, has since gone to be with the Lord, but this was a very important time for me because at this time, um, God spoke things to me through Pastor Clint that just stirred uh, some things in me. So I thank God that with all that life that I was in, um, I was doing the, I loved God, but even this time, I was still in some chaos. I mean, my girlfriend used to come to my house and... Uh, the house had nothing, no, no chair, no bed, no blanket, no, no, no stove. We sit on the bare floor, and there are so many holes in, in, in the roof, and we look at the light coming in, and we are laughing, and we're just having fun. But thank God that by the grace of God, I got to marry. Can you imagine? <laughs> and as you can see, that girl, I married up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I thank God he has blessed us with three children. Um, Xavier, who is um, uh, eight, 
stand, I think he's, he has turned nine now. Um, Clint is six. Um, so um, when Pastor Clint came, my wife was expectant, and uh, we prayed over the baby, and we told him that uh, the baby will be called uh, uh, Clint. So, yeah, so this is Pastor Clint. And then, yeah, actually sometimes he says that, you know I'm a pastor, I'm Pastor Clint. <laughs> yeah. So while I was in Nairobi, um, I began preaching in Nairobi. Where I began was in the train. So how this began was, um, in this house where I was living, sometimes I would go without food and things were difficult. So there's a, this time that I was lying on the floor, I have nothing except a Bible and Andrew Max free CDs that I could not play unless when I'm going to shave. So I go to this place, I tell them, put that while I shave and I listen. So that's, how they, that's the way that I could listen. So I have my Bible there and there is this one night that I read Psalms chapter one and it just entered my spirit like boom. That blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand on the way of sinners, nor sits on the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of God, that is the word of God, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the riverside, whose leaves shall not wither, who also brings forth fruit in its season, and whatever he does shall prosper. I read, I said, wow! So I shouldn't belittle myself because I never went to college. I've never been trained. He says, whatever he does, God, tomorrow I will wake up and go out there and do whatever. So I woke up and I say, God, just guide me. Just lead me to go do whatever. And then I enter the train. Then I feel something like, could that whatever be preaching in the train? And that's how I began preaching uh, in commuter train. So... We preach, in the, the train moves in, in estates, taking people to the city center, and then they go to work. So as I preach in the train, sometimes people will make jokes, some laugh at me, some shout, and those kinds of things. But God reminded me that his word is like a hammer that destroys a rock into pieces. So just keep hitting it. So we kept sharing the gospel, and we began seeing people getting saved in the train, until now, it's an organized church. Courtney Olson has preached in that church. Yeah? <laughs> in the train, while the train moves, we have people doing praise and worship, sharing testimony, someone inviting the preachers. From the train, now, we have decided that um, once every week, they meet in their different estates, and once every month, we come up together and just... Uh, 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 remind ourselves of, of the message of grace and, and sharpen one another. And from the train, now many of our people have gone back to their villages and planted churches. And it's continuing. It's a church that goes on Monday up to Friday, every day. So I would preach there, and then when I reach the city center, people go to work. I have nowhere to go. I go to a place called Uhuru Park, and I go to cry to God and just pray. And I would trust God for literally everything. We, I, I taught our guys that we are going to preach here and we are not going to collect offerings because there's a mentality that people have with the street preach, preachers and bus preachers that they're just coming for money. So we'll just trust God. There are times that we will preach and somebody's passing there just squeezes 
offering in your pocket. And God was just providing. So as people go to work, I go to Uhuru Park to pray. I read a scripture that entered into my heart at the time that things were not working for me. Life was difficult, but the gospel is going forth. Psalms chapter 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear their and be glad. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and delivered him from all his afflictions. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The lion may suffer pain and hunger, but they that fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Am I preaching here? So I began, I began to feel the goodness of God and to love God and, 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 and just to trust God for little things. And then God moved me from the trains. We are tra still going to the trains and he guided me to Ongata Rongai. So I reached at Ongata Rongai and I'm sorry to say this, I did not like churches. So I get to Ongata Rongai and I go to the slums. And uh, in the slums, I tell them that I have so good news. You just want to hear this. And they are like, ah, no, there is nothing good in the gospel. So I say, you just sit down. So I would buy them, uh, I would, I would buy them tea, and then they drink. I start sharing the gospel. Just sharing the gospel. No praise and worship, no prayer, nothing. Just opening the Bible and explaining the gospel to them. Those three people you see behind there, got saved in that place, right now, two of them are the deacons of Forward Church, Rongai. And as we were preaching in this place, it's in, in the ghetto, and people are smoking weed and all that, those kind of things. Yet, friends, you remember how Paul went to Ephesus, where they were worshiping Diana of Ephesus? And the Bible records that so mightily grew the word of God in Ephesus and prevailed. So the word of God just grew right here and began to prevail. So we, when these three people got saved, I took them out of um, that place and um, brought them to my house so that we started some serious discipleship in my house. Then they went and brought others. Who went and brought others until we could not contain them in our house? We began to rent a hall. So in this hall, we started teaching people and uh, discipling them. Then by a, some miraculous work of God, someone calls me in India that God, God is telling us that you come to preach to us. Do you know me? No. So it's a long story. I find myself in India. And uh, we begin in India by doing uh, open air meetings. And um, you may know the stories, how that went about, so that uh, I withdrew from open air meetings and we started training pastors in India. So we, you can see they, uh, they are carrying some little book there, you recognize that is the good news by Pastor Clint. Um, so we were training and equipping. So we planted ch a church there, this is in a town called Tenali, where we planted Eternal Life Bible Church. And um, uh, they have ended up uh, planting about 15 churches right now that have come from this, uh, the, the pastors there. Um, there are those who are pastors already and those who came in there, and uh, that's going on. So by the power of God, I've been able to be going to India um, uh, and doing that work. Then this was now in um, 
2013. Then 2014, Pastor Clint uh, talks to me, George, you are already discipling people. Don't you think God would want you to plant a church? I said, no, Pastor, no. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm excited about the word, but I don't like church. And more than all, I don't want to become a pastor. I just want to share the word of God. So we talk, and then it's like, ah, what you're doing is a church already, because these people come every week. So it's a long story, and Ford Church was planted in Ongata Rongai. So, yeah. And I want to thank you, brothers and sisters, because you trusted me, a total stranger that you had not seen, and sent all these dollars to Kenya to a stranger. Thank you for listening God, to God and doing that. So I am an ordained pastor. That's my ordination right there. Sila and I and uh, the pastors around there. Um, see how Courtney was there in the process of God. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then I was commissioned um, right there. Um, and we started doing discipleship in many places, uh, villages, um, even the Pokot that you are uh, uh, supporting there. These are people in Pokot. When we went there at first in Pokot, um, my message was not connecting with people because I preached about Jesus Christ dying for us on the cross. And there was, they were like, what is a cross? Oh, wow. So I had to change my message and begin from the beginning. And uh, that started uh, uh, really catching fire. So uh, you see me there with Pastor John Sinet who is now serving there, and the Lord is doing great things. So as we moved to the villages, we began to see a problem um, in the villages. Like in our village churches, you could go to a village where nobody has a Bible, including the pastor. So in our village, my mom had a Bible. There's a pastor who used to come there to study God's word and cram it. Many pastors in Kenya, they master the word and then go preach it. But this particular day, he comes, Instead of leaving the Bible after finishing, he went with it so that on Sunday there was no Bible. Um, so I told people we need to pray that we have Bibles in our churches. And then we prayed and God supplied some nine Bibles. You see me there with my son Xavier, um, just blessing the Lord and just taking that as, we, as Jesus took um, the five loaves and, and, and fish, lifted to the Father, and he multiplied to feed the multitudes. And we were just trusting God for that. And God um, just did that. Um, last year, in January, we moved from Ongatarongai to the village. You see my kids there, Xavier, Clint, Brianna? That is the Lake Victoria, where we are now. And now we are serving here at Forward Church Rangwe. Forward Church Rongai is going on. We now have... Um, five churches, Forward Church Rongai, Forward Church Rangwe, Forward Church Obanda, Forward Church um, uh, Kanam, and all these churches, we, we send people who go around um, uh, encouraging the pastors who are there. And you remember last, I mean, in 2019, when I was here, I was raising funds that we can get an SUV to help us take the message and visit these churches and go even to Parker and other tribal places that are not easily accessed. And I thank God for his blessing and for your support. You can see the vehicle there, I mean, being dedicated um, by the 
members of Forward Church Rangway. Now, having received this, we began to take the message, I mean, in many places. And God has, in the village, opened so many places. I mean, we go to Catholic schools where there is no Christian union, and we are allowed to preach there and plant Christian union in Catholic schools uh, by the grace of God. Um, and you see students coming to Jesus Christ, getting saved. Um, and what's happening is that we preach, uh, we send our people to preach in school once every week, just one preaching. And then there is something we call week weekend challenge that goes from Friday to Sunday, where we now teach discipleship and, and are just training the students to be able to pastor in their schools. And then in March last year, COVID hits. And when COVID hits, everything is shut down. No school, no markets, and life is difficult. Now people are dying now, not because of COVID, but because of hunger, because the government has shut down everything. Um, so <clears throat> a, a, a friend talks to me and says, George, I'm about to take my life, but I know you, you're the one that can help me. Please help me with $7. Please help. At that time, he has been thrown out of his house, um, him and his wife and children, and they're there being rained on, on in the street. And honestly, at that time, I did not have that. We were helping with so many people, and there was just nothing. So I talked to uh, another friend. I talked also to Pastor Clint. And God provides through you, dear ones, uh, that we were able to help this brother and his family get back to the house and pay uh, his house rent for three months up front. And uh, we got him food and uh, we were able to help others. And now we started going to our churches to help with the people in our churches. But people would come who are not members of our churches because we are going around. Um, now because uh, I had this, we, I was allowed to, to drive. So we buy food and we help people. So um, we were helping the widows, the orphans, and some people who will just give some, somebody food and then they just begin to cry out there. I mean, somebody who has been not having food and then you just place that in the, before them. And many people were being attracted. And then we felt like we are not going to be able to sustain this. And God uses some friends here and helps us to begin some, uh, doing some uh, project at home where we started the fish farming. So what we do with the fish farming is this. Um, we, 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 we have a land that we are using for demonstration when we are teaching people because we brought some people to help. When we were going to the village, we did not know these things. We didn't have these ideas. So we pay some people and they come and they begin to train our people on kitchen gardening. So all the time that the markets were locked, our people were having their own food because they are planting their own, growing their own food now. Right now, markets have been opened, but our people are finding out that they have money because they're not buying those things they used to buy. But even more than that, other people are coming to buy from them. And it is also helping the church because the offerings are now beginning to go up. <laughs> yeah, because people have something to offer. Those who don't have money, they bring their fruits and vegetables and stuff like that, which can also be being used to help other people. So from the, from the kitchen gardening, we began to teach about uh, rearing chicken because it, we have chickens there that are strong, but the problem is that they take long to grow. So we brought in a breed that grows very fast, but its problem is that it doesn't hatch its eggs. So 
we bring them, they lay the eggs, and we take it, we give to our chickens that uh, hatch. So they hatch the eggs, and we have more chickens. So we get, we get a lot of eggs. People come to buy eggs for food. We give them some so that they can start. They also take these eggs, they give to their, their local chickens, and they have more chickens. So they have chicken uh, for food and even for selling. So other people come uh, to buy that. So the thing that happens is that the droppings from the chickens, we put in a sack and put in the pond. And when you bring it out, the flies come and it forms worms. And that is food for fish. So when the fish eat that, you can see the color of that water. It is um, fertilized, I mean, something like that, just because of um, um, the, the worms and uh, the droppings from the, from the fish. And then the pond has inlet and outlet. The outlet now goes to demonstration farm. And the farm has green, leafy vegetables all the time, even when it's not raining, um, because we have uh, the pond there. And the water that goes in it, it's just so good. So this is really changing our ministry. And we are trusting God that we can increase more ponds, because we have people that are really good in the gospel, but their life is pathetic. I mean, they're the ones that their children cannot go to school. So somebody, somebody can pastor for three months and then stop go to another city to look for a job. When they are gone, the church is disorganized and the family is disorganized. So through this, we are beginning to move towards a sustainable income for our ministry, especially the ministers there, and even the village around. Because what's happening here is now being felt in the whole village. And we give God glory for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, here to share with us a word, um, that God has placed in, in my heart, and uh, I just call it from faith to faith. I'll be sharing from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 14 all the way to 17. And the Bible says, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Um, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. I don't know what the just is doing there. Because uh, verse 16 is kind of missing. So verse 16 says, okay. Oh, okay. For I am not ashamed of the gospel um, of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So these are the scriptures that we want to look at today as we share this word that I give the title, From Faith to Faith. So Paul, in writing the book of Romans, he begins in chapter 1, verse 1, by saying, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a, an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So Paul says he is separated, and he knows what he has been separated unto, unto the gospel of God. So I begin by asking a question. What is the gospel? You know, the word gospel comes from a Greek word, 
euangelion. That simply means good news. Good news. It can be good news of any kind. You, like when I was coming to Kenya, I had things. I mean, um, there's a time I was, I was, I was, I mean, when I was coming to America, leaving Kenya, I had uh, fever and chest congestion and um, coughing. Everything was looking like COVID. And I was told, cancel. The doctor said, cancel your trip to America. I said, no, I'm not canceling. So I kept moving forward. And you know, you cannot travel until they test you. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to be found having COVID, and the cough is coming. I don't want to cough in front of these people, you know? So <laughs> they tested me, and you know what? Evangelion, I didn't have COVID. Good news. So it can be good news from a doctor. It is, can be good news from your banker. It can be good news from whatever source. But this one Paul calls the gospel of God. Good news, which comes from God, a specific kind of good news. Now, the writers of the New Testament used that word for a specific news. Yet, there are many good news that we can have in the world. You can have this kind of good news. Your mother-in-law has canceled a trip to visit you. You angelion! <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Though I have a good mother-in-law, a godly woman of God. But you can have good news from any source. The writers of the New Testament took that word to describe a specific kind of good news that is almost too good to be true. As they used it, they meant something that is almost too good to be true. It could be like, Atlanta Falcon won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Evangelion! <laughs> yeah, something that is almost too good to be true. Yeah? <laughs> so... So that's how they began to use this word, the gospel, referring to this kind of good news. So let me ask ourselves a question. Can we know the gospel? Is there a specific gospel? Or everything is just the gospel, whatever anybody preaches? No, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the definite article, that's right, that's a particular right. one, a specific one. So he starts in verse 14, and he says, I am a debtor, both to the barbarians and to the Jews, both to the wise and to the unwise, both to the poor and to the rich, to all people groups, I am a debtor. Paul viewed himself as a debtor, and his indebtedness was extended to all people groups. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ said to us? Freely you have received, freely give. Go to all people groups and preach the gospel. So Paul felt indebted. And then in verse 15, he says, therefore, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul says, I'm ready. And that should be the life of every believer, the life of preparedness. Be ready in season and out of season. Paul says, I am prepared. By using the word ready, what he's saying is that the gospel is in the forefront of my thinking. I am always looking out for an opportunity to share the gospel. I am eager to share this good news. Can we confidently say that about ourselves? Because Paul is kind of saying, like, when I get a business opportunity, when I am in the plane with somebody, he sits next to me. I am just looking, God, how can I turn this conversation to the gospel? 
And we should be eager to share this good news because this is the most important message that God has for mankind. So what is the gospel? It is good news that comes from a holy God to sinful mankind. And it is about how they can be saved from a hell they deserve to a heaven they don't deserve. And have a wonderful relationship with the creator God of the Bible. This is the gospel. This is the message that God has for people. And this is the message that God wants people to know. In verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Wow. In verse, uh, verse, 15, verse 15, he said, Therefore, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Dear friends, the gospel is a message to be preached, not a ritual to be administered. You've got to be, get baptized, got to sign a card, you've got to join a church, you've got to do this, you have to do this. No, it's the message to be communicated. And God wants people to hear it clearly. And we need, as believers in Christ, to be clear about the gospel and take this gospel out. It is a message to be preached, and it saves only a specific kind of people. It says in verse 16 that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who does what? Who believes. The true good news is a whosoever believes gospel, not whosoever does something. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes it is a whosoever believes gospel. It is a message to be preached and it saves those who believe. Paul says, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. The response of the gospel is simply faith alone in Christ alone. Not so many things. John 3.16, a verse that has five parts. God so loved the word. That is God doing something. That he sent his only begotten son. That is God doing something. That whosoever believes, who is doing something there? God or you? You shall not perish. Who is giving that promise? God. But have everlasting life. Who is giving that promise? God. So God does all the four things. Only one thing is remaining for mankind. One thing alone, namely to believe. Why is it difficult for us to preach such a pure gospel? Peter and John, uh, I mean, uh, Paul and Silas, they are in prison, and they are bound, and then um, the power of God does things there. And the jailer wants to kill himself because he thinks these, these people have escaped. And then Peter and John says, no, don't kill yourself, we are all here. Then he sees what has happened, and he wants what they have. He says to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the question the world is asking. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Brothers and sisters, what must I do to be saved? And the problem is that the world is full of preachers who are telling them 10 things, 7 things, 15 things to do to be saved. Paul and Silas told them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. What shall I do? No, it, it is not about what you do. It is believe. Faith alone in Christ alone. Praise the Lord. So this is the message of the gospel that God wants people to understand and to respond to. In verse 17, someone was helping me there. Verse 17, um, he says, 
For in it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Friends, the gospel brings something because humanity has a need. And the need of humanity is like a two-sided coin. On one side, we have something that we don't need. We have sin, and sin has consequence. The wages of sin is death. On, but, but that is not the only problem. On the other side of the coin, we need something that we don't have. We need righteousness. Because if, it, if you could be washed all your sins that you don't have any sin, you know you still go to hell? Because only perfect people can live with a perfect God. So you do not only need to have negative sin, you also need to have righteousness, a righteousness that is acceptable in the presence of a holy God. So to share about this, I would want to give an illustration with uh, some two volunteers here. Let's get a couple teenagers back there. Oh yeah, some two guys. Yeah. Okay. So you just stand facing this direction. No? Here? Here. Yeah. Stand. Okay. Is this in your way here? No? It's okay. So um, you're going to represent God. Okay. And he will be, <laughs> he will represent mankind. So we are going to show here, by way of illustration, the need that mankind has. So when God was creating man, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. So I want you to help me preaching here. So God created mankind, what? Innocent. innocent. So hold here. Mm -hmm. So mankind was innocent. Because he is innocent and God is a holy God. By the way, when we say God is holy, we need to understand what that means. Holy means he is pure, he is clean, and not even a dot of darkness or sin can be found in him. Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Holy also means unique. That's why we have Holy Bible. It is just, it is just like any other books, but it is unique, different from any other. It is unique book because it talks about a unique God. There are many gods in Africa, the God of the Luas, the God of the Pokot, the God of the Kalenjin. But there is a unique God who is the creator God of the Bible, namely Yahweh. So we have to set them apart. Holy means the unique one, the only true God. So this God, because man was created innocent, now God could be what to man? A friend of man. And God would visit with man every day. They are friends. Yeah. God is a friend of man. But God told man something. 
in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, you can eat from all the trees in the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from it, because the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. Brothers and sisters, the wages of sin is death from the beginning. I am afraid in many preaching that I've been hearing from America, it, be, it is becoming um, useless or despised to talk about death in the gospel. There are even people who say that we were never separated from God. It was just an illusion in our mind. There is no hell. So man was created and told that the day you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. So God has given him a word. Then Satan comes in and says, mm -mm, did God really say, let me tell you something. God is hiding something from you. I am your friend. God is not a true friend. In fact, if you eat this thing, you will be like God. And man now has to choose either the word of God or the word of Satan. Sadly, they chose the word of Satan. And man cast off his innocence. When that happened, now man has to put on another garment. The garment of what? Sin. Bible says by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. So sin has now entered the world. And because sin has entered the world and God is a holy God, God now puts off the garment of a friend. And he puts on another garment because of his nature. Remember, he is a holy God. And he puts on what garment? Perfect judge. And as a perfect judge, God now has to judge man whom he loves. He loves him, but he has become a sinner. Now, as a perfect judge, God cannot just overlook his sin. God must punish sin. But God loves the man who has sinned. Therefore, what will God do? 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14, the Bible says that we shall all die, and we are all like water spilled on the ground that cannot be picked up again. But God does not kill anyone. Therefore, he devises a way so that the estranged person may not be cast out from him. So God has begun to devise a way so that he can punish sin without punishing the sinner. So this is the story of the Bible, the story of redemption, how God has come up with a way to punish our sins. Remember, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they began to experience death. Remember God told them, the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. But we see they ate it. Did they drop dead? No, no they didn't drop dead. But they began to feel shame, and they began to feel guilt, feelings that come with separation, and they are hiding, and they don't want to meet God, who was their friend. Now, where, where, where is Satan their friend now? He's like, peekaboo, he's, he has done whatever he did. But man is now there, feeling all these things. So what is death? In the Bible, the word death carries the idea of separation. It starts with spiritual death. What is spiritual death? When the spirit of God is separated from the spirit of man. And that's what happened here. This separation is a very important component of the gospel that when people don't get it, they will not know really what Christ did for us. From that time that we were separated from God, every human being is born in the realm of spiritual death. 
The Bible says we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We are born spiritually dead. We are born spiritually separated from God. We are born dead already. We are born in the realm of death. No wonder we need to be born again because we are born wrong. So this is what has happened. And when man sinned like that, reminds me of the time that I was living in this slum house. And one time I went preaching in the village. When I came back and opened the, the house, the house was smelling a dead, rotten rat. Smelling so bad. And I said, hi. I know for sure that is not my rat. Ah, where is it coming from? So it happens that my neighbor had put um, poison for rats in his house. The rat ate and came and died in my house. <laughs> so it's stinking in my house. I begin to search my clothes. I search everywhere. I look for it. And oh my, I find it. <laughs> Found the rat. Now let me ask you, if that was you, and you find that rotten, maggot-stricken rat, how do you dispose of it? Do you say it is smelling in this corner? Let me put it in this other corner. Do you say that? No. What do you do? You throw it away, like somewhere here. No? Yeah? No, you throw it? Very far away. Now, we also who have sinned, the Bible says that even our prayers is like smelling things. It's rotten before a holy God. Therefore, God has to take us and throw us away in a place of separation forever from God, a place of torment called the lake of fire. But God doesn't want that. Yet, remember what I said? Death means separation, just like physical death. What happens at physical death? The spirit and soul of man is separated from the body. We bury the body, the spirit and soul goes to God. Separation. But there is another kind of death that the Bible calls the second death. It calls it the second death because maybe the physical death gives us an illustration, a picture of what that second death looks like. When somebody dies physically and you go to the funeral, what is the mood there? Somber. People are crying. It's pain. They don't like it. Now there is a place of the second death where there is that mood and even more than that, not for a week, but forever. And God doesn't want anyone to go there. So remember, we are sinners. You want to hold this as well? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Grab it in a way that you can. Oh, hold. it's broken. Yeah. There we go. This, this one, this one here. Oh, the rat. Oh. The rat. <laughs> so he's rep representing our sinner. He has become all that sin and the rat. And God, as a perfect judge, has to look at this person and hit the gavel, condemned to the lake of fire. But in his love, he looks for a way in which he can restore and bring back to him these people that have sinned. John chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world. Why did he not come into the world to condemn the world? Because the world is already condemned. Verse 18, he that believes in him is not condemned. But he that does not believe, does not believe in him is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God.
So the world is condemned already. We are already condemned. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is a gap between a sinful man and a holy God. And that gap is so huge. And the gospel wants us to understand that separation. When I was coming from Kenya, I flew to Ethiopia. Then I flew from Ethiopia. The ticket said it's from Ethiopia to Chicago. And when we began, um, it's seven hours flight. Okay, seven hours, let me just wait. And then three hours, oh yeah, we're about to be there. One hour, 30 minutes, we are landing. And then we land, I've reached Chicago. But people are not getting out of the plane. I say, what's wrong? What are they waiting for? They, we stayed in there, friends. Turned out we were not in Chicago, we were in Ireland. Yeah, it's a place called Dublin. Dublin. Dublin, Ireland. That's where we are. So we have to fly again. This plane has stopped there. Nobody getting out. It just ended there to fuel. Oh, and then we now have another six hours from that place to Chicago. And as we flew from that place, we are going, I look down and I see a big ocean. And this ocean, we are flying one hour. We are still flying over that ocean. Two hours, three hours, four hours. Five. How big is this ocean? <laughs> it's not ending. I look at the, 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 the computer behind uh, that seat in front of me. And I look, and we're still flying the ocean. Man. And I, then I began to think about the gap between mankind and God. How vast it is. That, for example, you are in... Africa, and somebody's in Chicago and says to you, I'm going to give you um, $100 billion, all the gold and silver in Chicago, all the uh, houses and all the cars and everything that you can want. But this is the condition. You have to swim your way from Africa to Chicago in three hours. And then you see people in Africa, Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And then they begin to do it. And you know, as you're looking at these people who are beginning to swim, surely one of them will have swum maybe three miles deep, another one two miles, another one, one mile, another one is just knee-deep waters. So comparing people, there are those who are better than others. What about the person waiting to reward them in Chicago? How many of these people is, is he seeing? None of them. So is with our God in heaven. We may be righteous than other people, but God who looks at his perfect standards sees us and says, there is none righteous. No, not one. So it's not about swimming your way. It's not about rolling your sleeves. It's not about trying as best as you can. The best of us cannot even approach the holiness of God. The vast between mankind and God is so big. A hymn, uh, somebody sang a hymn that said, uh, all the love that wrote salvation's plan, all the grace that brought it down to man, all the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Oh, the mighty gulf. Dear friends, this gulf cannot be crossed over by changing your behavior. This gulf cannot be crossed over by joining a church. This gulf cannot be crossed over by giving a tithe. This gulf cannot be crossed over by making a promise. There is nothing that you can do to cross this gulf. But God in his love decided to do something. He decided to come down himself in the person of 
the perfect sinless Jesus. So who is Jesus? He is God Almighty who entered into our world through a miraculous birth. He is the creator God himself that created everything. For in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So why did he come into this world? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 3 to 7, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray, each one going his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is the reason why Jesus came into this world. When he comes into the world, Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says that when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Therefore, I come to do your will, O God. God. This is what he came to do, to bear our sins. And why am I using this garment thing? You know, dear friends, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, that the life of a living thing is in the blood. And I have given you blood upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement. Adam did not know that. Once they had sinned, they tried to atone for their sins by fig leaves. They did not know that it is the blood that makes atonement. What were they doing? They were doing outward religion, outward appearances. And it is a lot in America and in Kenya, all over the world, outward appearances. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he told them, you are like whitewashed tombs that outwards, out, outside, appear as holy and good and neat, but inside is full of dead, rotten bones. So the problem is that God does not look at the outside. He looks at the inside. So what is it that can clean the inside? He says, blood. Then Cain and Abel come in, and Cain begins to approach God by own idea. For us, for our church people, we have our idea of how to be saved. Own ideas cannot save anyone. Cain did his own idea, but he did not bring him salvation. So let me rush through this real quick. So Jesus Christ comes, and the Bible says, The Lord laid on him all our sins. You want to hold that? The Lord laid on him all our sins, that the sins of the whole world, God has taken and laid on Jesus, the all-knowing God, who sees everything, took all the sins of all the world and laid on Jesus. And Jesus bore it. And what happened? The wages of sin is death. And dear friend, that's what Jesus did for you and me. He died for our sins. So that on the cross there, Jesus died for our sins. And when he died for our sins, God took all that and threw it away. It's done. Sin is no longer an issue between God and people. Sin has been dealt with. So God is calling people for something. Now, you see, sin has been dealt with, but this man still lacks something. So that is the one side of the coin where we had something that we don't want, we had sin. So it has been dealt with. But there is another thing that he needs in order to have a relationship with God. He needs righteousness. So Jesus died on the cross, I want you to squat, and then he was buried. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, that he was delivered, given to die for our sins, and was raised for our justification. So on the third day he rose again, come up. On the third day, he rose again. Now he lives forever to bring forgiveness of sin and righteousness as a gift. The Bible says in the book of Acts, 
Let it be known to you that through this man, forgiveness of sin is preached. And through him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. What is the meaning of justified? It means to be declared righteous by God. Romans chapter 1 verse 17, where we read, says that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What is the first, the first faith? It goes on to say, as it is written, the just. So the first faith is faith that makes you the just. That is justified, declared righteous by God. How does that happen? When a sinner comes to Jesus Christ through faith alone, in Christ alone, now Jesus takes this garment and the sinner is clothed with it. You are now the perfect, sin, the perfect sinless Jesus. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can we clap for them as they go back? Thank you so much. So dear friends, as we close, it doesn't end at just being justified. It says the just shall live by faith. There are many people who have become the just, they're justified, they're excited about that, but they don't know that that is the beginning of a life to be lived. So there is from faith to faith. The first faith declares you righteous before God. Then the second faith says the just shall live by faith. How do we live the Christian life? The same way we received it, Colossians 2 verse 6. The Bible says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So there is receiving him and there is walking in him. And it's all by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14, the Bible says that the love of Christ compels us, controls us, pushes us. For we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Is that, how, is that not how the world lives? They live for themselves. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and rose again. So we have to live the Christian life for Jesus Christ, serving him, living for him, honoring him. There is a life to be lived. There is a work to be done, and it has to be done by faith in Christ Jesus. I tell you, the world, especially, I'm sorry to say, America is really struggling with identity issues. I mean, somebody can wake up and say, I feel like I'm a boy. What's that? What's that? I feel like, I feel like, I feel, what do you feel? No, there is no other identity. God only has two identity, in Adam and in Christ. And he says, for us in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall live. So the Christian life is about how you can exit Adam and enter into Christ. Once you have entered into Christ, there is a life to be lived. And you live it by first of all knowing who you are in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Because living stems out of being. Who you are is the basis of what you do. My time is gone. We have to finish right now. And uh, I just want us to rise up. Just rise up before God and, uh, and just, just, just thank God uh, for the gospel. Just thank God for the work of Jesus Christ that the Lord has done for us. Just thank God for who we are in Jesus Christ, that we have been made ambassadors of Christ and God has given us a mission to go there and speak to the world and, and, and uh, reconcile people back to God. And just ask God for uh, boldness and just step out in the anointing to be able to communicate the message of the gospel for God wants to use us. Hallelujah.
Father, I praise you, God. I thank you. Thank you, loving Father, for the wonderful message of the gospel. Thank you for loving us so much, my God, that you have saved us from so great a death, and you will still save us, and we believe that at the end you will deliver us from this world, my God. So thank you, my God, for this message that gives us, my Father, um, um, a unity with Christ. As your word says, that uh, when that when one is joined with the Lord, he is one spirit with the Lord. May we know this, O oh God, and we get out of this place knowing that we are one. We have been redeemed from, from, from sin and from hell, and now we have a life that the world needs, and we want to be able to share this with the world. May your name be glorified, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So there, there may be somebody watching online or even in the room never accepted Christ. Do you want to you just pray for those? Oh, yeah. Maybe because there may be somebody a year from now, somebody may watch this on YouTube even. Just yeah. lead them through that. Um, whoever is there that um, you've listened to this message and you want to become a child of God, what of God tells us in John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And you, you are there, you want to receive him. It says, to those who received him, even those who believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You can place your faith in Christ right now. The word is near you, in your heart and in your mouth. That if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for me, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, they shall be saved. So I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus right now. Will you say this with me? Lord Jesus, I come to you. I know that I am a sinner. And I cannot save myself. But you came to save sinners. You took my sins and died in my place. You were buried. But you defeated death. You defeated sin. You defeated Satan. You rose again. And now you have a gift for me. And your word tells me that the gift of God is eternal life. Lord, I come to you that I may receive it. I confess that you are God and you are my Lord. I receive you now. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a child of God. I am born again. I receive the Spirit of God right now. And I'm a child of God. Amen. 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 Show George some love. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, we, we have been supporting and will continue to support. And, you know, there, there's lots going on. If you want to give today or in the upcoming days or weeks, just go to forward.church. Most of you already know we have a drop down in our fund area for Forward Church Kenya. Forward Church Kenya all goes to what he's doing. And what he's doing is planting, I mean, you, you didn't mention there are five 
forward churches, but there are 24 other churches that have been planted by him or others that are, you know, that are moving this direction. Those other 24 churches are not quite ready to kind of be released in this message. They still need to grow in their training and become more established in the finished work. <clears throat> um, so, you know, it, it's an ongoing process and there's a lot of work to do. He's working on a school. And then I know the Libertors here, a lot of you guys don't know Chris and Brittany Libertor. You guys watch all the way from Lula, Georgia. They are Chick-fil-A operators up in that area. Wow. They have been involved with what George is doing. You, you are working with them on kind of helping the mindset of the business side of the sustainable income and all of that. And you said it's changed the economy of your village, so much so that even the chief, which is like the mayor, is paying attention to what's going on there. And you know, so I see God raising him up even more so to show other villages how to you know, have sustainable uh, economies at near churches that draw people to the church. And it's, it's, there's so much going on. One pond is about $3,000. There are chicken projects going on. You know, there's number, ultimately, he's trying to get to about $50,000. There are other uh, churches and ministries and people that are helping, you know, so praise God for that. Um, but we get to be a part two, and we will continue to sow monthly. We cover the land lease for Forward Church Rangai. Did I get the roll, yeah. tongue roll? Right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, so we, we would love to pay off that property. That is, a, you know, that's a different project. That's about $40,000, you know. So we just do what we can, right? We just continue to move forward when we do what we can, and we be a blessing as we can, and we just trust God to just work all these details out. So... We are committed to this ministry. We're going to continue to sow into um, Forward Church and then also all these other projects that are happening, and we just do it together and we watch the kingdom spread. Amen. Amen. So let's just if, extend your hand up here. Let's just pray for George and Leah and, and all of the churches, all of the pastors for Forward Church. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this family that has said yes to you. We thank you for the work that is happening in Kenya. Father, we thank you for kingdom connections and strategies. We thank you for incredible, abundant financial blessing. But I thank you for peace and strength in George and his family as, they, as all of these people, are, there's so much need. There's so much just humanitarian need, the poverty, the food, the clothing, the shelter, all the basic needs, Father. I thank you that you are giving him incredible blessing. You are blessing abundantly the work of their hands so that everything they put their hand to shall prosper. With the farming project and the fish projects and the chicken projects, Father, abundant. We agree with you to, for that they will be a blessing to their village and the surrounding villages to spread the gospel of the kingdom, to point all people back to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that you're strengthening him. You're giving life and healing to his physical body as he travels throughout the states, ministering in churches and homes and, and just experiencing the the road travel weariness and missing his family. Father, thank you that you're just giving him peace. You're helping him settle, and you're, he knows that you're with him as he goes. God, Father, we give you all the glory for all the work that's being done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.